We begin again. Welcome listeners to the next episode of Back at the Start podcast. This is an auditory experience designed to be a discussion between fans of the tabletop live series Colock 1991, which airs Mondays at 6pm Pacific on Hyper RPG's Twitch channel. I'm Gaia CA. I will be one of the hosts at the wheel today, guiding you as we recap season two, episode six called Isn't She Weird? Followed by a conversation highlighting the moments that stuck out to us, what we think those moments might be leading to, and how this episode's rumors may influence the future of the show. And of course, we'll add our own crazy theories about what everything means. As listeners, you matter. You can interact with this podcast through our Twitter account at Pod or by emailing us your thoughts at backtothestartpod at gmail.com. Now, before we begin, do any of the other hosts have any questions? Nope. Roll the intro. You found yourself back at the start. Well, let's dive in, shall we? As I said, this is Gaia CA, and I'd like to welcome you all to our Back at the Start podcast. Thanks to everyone who has been listening and the people who have been subscribing on Podbean, Spotify, Apple, and more. We hope you enjoy listening as much as we enjoy recording. So without further ado, I'm going to let the others introduce themselves, and then we're going to jump straight into the recap of the episode. What up, what up, what up, everybody? It is Kid Anon, doing my thing. Find me on all of the socials at Kid Anon. Thank you. And I'm Logan Pars, and you can find me on social media as Logan Pars. Thanks, guys. All right, here's our recap. This episode starts immediately after the mayoral debate. We find Mallory and Laura escaping, having escaped the burning banquet hall out in a field. They find that this cheese and Mallory's jacket are both missing, and they seem to have a gap in their memories. They decide that the best thing to do is to group together to figure things out and go to MPEG's house because it's the closest. MPEG has been grounded for the last week because she didn't tell her parents about Tibby. When they arrive, she and her father are playing D&D in the garage. The group convinces JPEG to let M leave the house with them. Mallory is so charming that suddenly JPEG kisses him, shocking himself, and then he suddenly runs out of the room. This is thanks to the kids on bikes exploding dice mechanic. With Mr. Pegg out of the room, they call Billy and decide to meet him at Mickey's apartment building. After a short exchange with the town drunkard Hildred Justice, they head to Mickey's apartment. In the apartment, they find Mickey giggling in her room with Kane Hyerson. They manage to get Kane to leave the room, and then after another awkward exchange with Mallory and Mickey's sister, they get her to leave as well. The group decides to go get Tibby. They find Tibby's house surrounded by people dressed in white, but they use Billy's injured leg to get access to Tibby. The radar comes up with a plan to get Tibby to disappear using MPEG's power to stop time. During their escape, Mallory narrowly misses hitting a nurse named Rebecca with his car. She seems to be obsessed with Tibby. They then drive a short way away, and Tibby and Billy both ask for time to speak with Mallory. Billy accuses Mickey of not being herself. Mickey ends up breaking up with Tibby, and she decides to walk home. We suddenly cut to Mickey B trapped in a cell with water flooding into the room. Bob Whitney disappears, and after a dice roll, Mickey allows herself to sink, fade to black. What started out as a lighthearted episode ends on quite an ominous note. So, does anybody have any comments about the start, or the end, or theories? Almost definitely. So, with that start, what was great is, on the second rewatch, Zach mentioned how they couldn't quite remember what was happening and why it was happening and then just how it was it was like there was gaps here and there and then it immediately hit me like wait mike the one person where like you you know you don't remember you've talked to so whenever he's around in the area you like you you don't remember what's happened in the immediate present past and so it's like wait it is mike what the hell and then that was a great way to kind of bring him back into the picture because he was there at some point close to the end of the debate because they didn't remember you know, what was happening towards the end and, and whatnot. So that was a great little thing that we saw. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't catch that it was probably him the first time I saw I saw it, but when I did rewatch it, I caught that the, there was footsteps running away and that it was probably Mike. And oh boy, was Laura not happy about losing G's. 
No, she wasn't. And I didn't catch the footsteps either until my last, last time I watched it. Yeah, cheese, man. Laura is... She she has a weird fixation on that jar. It's kind of ridiculous. Is he even still alive? Like at this point, like we don't really know if he's truly alive or is just all of them wanting him to be alive. Because just her fixation and just bond to it has grown to a almost unhealthy level where she's like she doesn't know what to do without him. So that was definitely interesting. Oh, for sure. And I think that maybe Mike's presence at the end of the debate is probably why people are unclear exactly about what happened at the end and how the fire started and if it was Lexi and all that stuff that seems to be still unclear. Right. And it's like, and then for it to be potentially, or it was, Zach did say it was Lexi, possibly. It was like, huh, where has she been? Because wasn't she supposed to be with the FBI, like the guys mentioned? So when did she sneak out? Because with her powers and then knowing what she could do, you would think she'd be under more of a watchful eye until she got her powers down pat. Although, you know, they can't predict that some drug that making people go crazy, she would have eaten it at some point because of chili. So you can't get mad at them for that, that's for sure. The FBI left town, so I'm pretty sure they let Lexi go, which makes me wonder where's Sayaka right now, too. Mm, that's a good question. And, and I wonder, I mean, I'm guessing maybe part of that was the FBI falling under Billy's whole everything is normal spell. Oh, well, we don't really have to worry about any of these kids going off because everything's normal. Oh, that's scary. It oh. is. <laughs> it oh, is very I scary. I forgot about... Wait, so hold on. Oh, hold on. So that would... First of all, that was it. Department C is what they are. Yeah. Yeah, they already were like kind of like in the know. But when you consider... Oh, wow, guy, I didn't even think about that. Because if they were in the vicinity of Billy's powers, then they would feel the same. Oh, it's just like Ambeth's parents. Oh, my. Okay, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's, that's it. I hadn't thought about that either. That brings up a whole new can of worms. Yeah, it's pretty scary, all the things that can come out of that whole normalcy idea. Yeah, who is affected? Like, now I'm just curious, like, how many people, like, who are, who is there at the time? <laughs> like, I think it's everybody that's in the town, right? Yeah, I think so, too. It's just like, who else do we not know about potentially was there? I know, you know, it might not have been something that was thought about immediately, but that will be something to, like, dive into. Like, by the way, this person was here at this point. Let's see what happens there. Oh, for sure. And we know that things like the uh, psych patients being let out of the hospital and stuff like that happened. So there's a lot of potential for some really creepy stuff to happen. I have to say, I love MPIG's parents. The more I see of them, they're wonderful. Tiff and Jay, they're just great. And the fact that Matt rolled as a ridiculous exploding die of, I think it was over 20, to get uh, Jay to kiss him was absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he rolled a total 21 on a D4. It was kind of crazy. Yeah, the chances of that are extremely rare. Right. And then... Going back to the normalcy part, like, this is when we find out that, like, you know, Impact, she was like, Laura and Mallory just pointed out, guess what, guys? An entire building of people melted, blew up on fire, and yet everybody's acting like this is normal. How? And then we get that whole revelation of Impact's parents being affected by that, and you could tell she was kind of, like, unnerved by it. Like, wait, so my parents aren't just cool just to be cool? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that we're probably not even aware of that that whole normalcy thing is affecting people already. Yeah, 
I love this system so much. I love the concept of exploding dice. How, like, you have a chance. Regardless, what's funny is, like, what was it? Zach said it was the difficulty of 19, and then basically almost, like, retroactively said, no, it was 16. He's like, you know what? I have to reward you for five straight critical success, critical success rolls. And we got the whole JPEG and Mallory's moment, and it was... What we got afterwards was some of the funniest things. It, it drove the episode. <laughs> that, that whole incident helped drive the episode after that, for sure. Oh, yeah. It was great. And just every, nobody could believe that we ended up with that dice roll and that that happened. But it was really, really cool. And I, I do enjoy that part of the system mechanic, too. And Mallory, of all people, to get that result is even more ridiculous. Yeah, so so Hickey brought that up on himself with the whole wink. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, you winked at her dad, man. Come on, yeah. And then the implications of what that can potentially be story-wise for like, why did JPEG feel feel the need to do that more so than anything? It's like, yeah, Mallory winked at him, and maybe he saw that as seductive potentially. But there has to be more to it besides that. He. Because, like, the way he just kind of out of nowhere reacted, like, subconsciously just, like, grabbed his face and just planted a huge one on him. It's like, wait, there's more to it that we don't know? And that's definitely something that's going to be interesting to be explored later on in the show. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it'll come up in the story. And I don't think we've had fan art of yet of that yet, but I would love to see fan art of that. Right. So, Logan, what's your take on that whole incident? Like, what? how do you feel about the whole critical, like, ridiculously critical success for Mallory and then also just JPEG and that whole incident inside their home, you know, inside the Peg's home and whatnot. All the stuff that we got in that whole time frame. Well, I'm with Zach. If someone rolls that crazy, you gotta go with the crazy and allow a critical because that was just insane. Yeah, bonkers result means you have to do bonkers action. Exactly. Oh yeah, the swear jar. That that I can. You know what? I can see that in that household, especially with Tiffany Pegg, you know, being a um, being a psychiatrist or a psych- psychiatrist, I believe, and just kind of having a swear jar and whatnot. That makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that swear jar first became a swear jar. And then eventually, after that point, as brought up by one of our very own Erdin, it became a, an emotional support jar where you like didn't know what you're doing and you just couldn't like express yourself. And you just started just throwing stuff, throwing coins in there because you're like, just in disbelief. Yeah, I think that the swear jar has helped them actually add some interesting story beats. They've had a lot of fun with it. I think the funniest thing comes later when they actually give Tippy money later on for swearing. That was really cool. They didn't have a lot of special effects in this episode, but one of the thought the bits that I thought was neat was the whole radio broadcast bit that they did where Zach basically recapped what happened with the meeting and the fire and all that stuff just to sort of have a, an extra piece to the episode. I thought that was interesting. Right, and, and that added, like, him doing that gave Laura and Mallory more ammo to the whole normalcy thing. Like, the way the... The way the DJ was just kind of saying, by the way, guys, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. The way everybody reacted, like, oh, nobody had this, like, if, if it was me, and I was in that situation, and I wasn't in Kolok, because I was just a person coming from outside Kolok, and so I'm not affected by the whole normalcy thing. Like Laura said, I would have lost my mind. You have half a building just turning into pounds of flesh, which is 
let's remember that that's what they became. So when you think about the deal from you know the past, guess what? I wonder how much that is accelerated now that this whole event happened. So I'm curious if that's going to be kind of brought up. They just melt and it's just like they're there and it's insane. It was like, what the heck? But everybody else is like, oh, that happened? What? Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for everybody. Like, that's just too weird. Oh, yeah, for sure. That highlighted the whole normal bit because of course in real life everybody would be flipping out and it would make national news of course this is this is also the episode where we had billy and the push-ups which was insane and hilarious <laughs> made me laugh so hard i think how many tokens did he use to do push-ups i don't remember how many i'm not sure it's usually like most cases like three or four or something like that so it, it also depends on how many he has at the beginning of the episode because this was towards the beginning so i don't quite remember how many he had but he definitely had he has some he used them um it, it was definitely interesting i actually don't think he used any tokens this episode for push-ups he just rolled it 18 and then could have done anything with it but he decided to stop at 11 anyway which was kind of funny oh yeah that whole thing with him in his room was pretty wacky and amusing and very billy oh yeah before we get that we get the call to billy's house by the way how is that people that lived in the 90s although these are actors you know portraying kids in the 90s nobody understood the use of a phone book <laughs> like, it was like oh yeah you remember his number or it's like phone book like zach was you can tell how zach was like really kids really kids you don't know what a phone book was it was similar to that moment with um shelby last season where he was like yeah this is a phone book this is where you get the numbers and that was just a funny moment like you just tell zach outside of the game it's like come on guys you know better that was pretty funny. Oh, yeah, and calling the operator. I remember that. That was what happened with Shelby. It was pretty, pretty silly. And I, you know, being slightly on the older end of things, that stuff did make me laugh a lot. Right. So they call the Baker residence, and we get Billy's mom, which is who is Laura's new favorite parent in the story. Laura loved Billy's mom, and it was awesome. <laughs> the other thing we get in this episode, because of what happened with Billy at the, at the beginning of the last episode, is he asks Mallory about his other name, Lucas Jenkins, but Mallory doesn't know anything about it. All right. So Lucas Jenkins, that was his name in the Kids on Bike playtest, right? Yeah, he was definitely Lucas, and I can't remember, I don't know if Logan, if you remember, if he was, if they said his last name in the, in the playtest or not. I don't think they said anyone's last name in the playtest, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it was things were kept very tight to the chest in the playtest for sure. Yeah, I was curious about that, but we know definitely related to that. And so that was an interesting beat that we were going to get. The Baker family is just such a just a joy. Whenever they're on, you can tell, especially Billy's mom, it's hilarious. But then we get the whole thing with Billy's. We get all the whole Billy's masturbating, blah, 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 with the brothers and sister. And Billy's mom making like, it's a Thursday. Billy was not supposed to close the door. What do you guys think happens on Thursday? <laughs> like, I don't know. That was just a random thought. Like, Thursday? What what happens on a Thursday? Yeah, I'm really curious about Thursdays in the Baker house now. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I think that there was definitely some out-of-game brotherly trolley going on between Zach and Lucas for that part. Oh, yeah, we get that. You, you know that happens at least, like, what, six times each game? The two of them are just, you know, messing with each other, just seeing how far they could go, especially Lucas to Zach. So, yeah, we, we get more phone book shenanigans, and then we head over to Mickey's place, which Mickey, exactly? We don't know at this point. Or we do know, but they don't. 
So yeah, it's the, yeah, they do keep us in the. She did little shows of which Mickey she was being, but you had to sort of really try and watch for it. Right. Oh, what was that one character? The NPC that they brought in, Hildred. Yes, Hildred. So that was that was a creepy scene for me. Like seeing that whole thing happen and the way she was interacting with them felt really creepy and weird and just like got under my skin. Especially how she inhaled that the lighter fluid. I was like, oh man, like what the what is wrong with this lady? Yeah, I actually tipped for Hildred. Unfortunately, Zach didn't remember who Hildred was because Hildred Justice was in Ten Candles in the town. Yeah, I think it could still be interesting because I wouldn't be surprised if now that he's clicked to that, that he might bring her back in some form. I really hope we do see her again because she was just so strange and creepy and just fun. She was very much so. Oh, first, how about we talk about Mickey's sister? That little, I don't want to say it, but that little brat. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh man, she's great. Yeah, it's so much happens there. And then we get the whole new boyfriend, the cheating incident that everybody hopped in on. So, oh yeah, the whole thing that that whole thing at Mickey's house was very, very awkward. There was the bit with Kane. There was the bit with Mickey's sister. It was just one big, long, awkward conversation. Yeah, and then you, you can tell that the crew wanted to hate Kane so bad, but because he was such a nice guy, they couldn't help but be like, man, we can't, don't be so nice. Give us a reason to hate you. But like, he's like, nah, bro, I love you, dude. I voted for you in the mayor, mayor election. Go Mallory. Like, oh, uh, like, oh my gosh. And then I got a question. Is this when Billy realized that Mickey wasn't Mickey or was that like the previous episode? Because that one, because you can tell Billy realized something like he knew even before, actually before they even came here, he mentioned how he wanted to talk to Mickey alone. So when you, in hindsight, it looks like he knew that Mickey wasn't Mickey really early. And I forget if he like knew this before the episode. No, Billy? no. Billy figured it out the funeral home. Uh, he was using his power to see if anything was weird, but the only thing he saw was Mickey. So that's when he first figured out that Mickey isn't Mickey. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Because I'm like, that, yeah, okay. I think I remember that now. So that's definitely interesting. Like, it was fun to see how he was going about that because that became his, like, sole goal the entire episode, which added some kind of awkwardness to the whole interaction between him and her and Tibby, especially towards the end of the episode. But even starting, it was like, yeah, guy, yo, let me, let me talk to Mickey real quick. And then everybody's like, okay. But yeah, we got that. Got Kane, and then we find out about what Tibby's been up to for a week or so? Yeah, he's been gone for a week. He hasn't even been to school because he's been pretty much trapped in his own house. Yeah, that's a kind of a terrifying thought. But yeah, when they show up, they try to show up at his house, and before they even actually get inside, the house itself is surrounded by these creepy people all dressed in white uh, who don't seem to want to let them in. They're all part of Daddy. I was, oh God, I was hoping I could remember the, the acronym. <laughs> I have it written down. Hold on. It does have an acronym and Zach actually came up with what it meant. Hold on a second. And what's funny is like, it was partially confusing because like, I, I know throughout the whole thing, I was under the exception that daddy was like Tibby. They're calling, he's like, he was daddy Devin. Like he was, he, he was at the top. And then Billy actually later on would mention how like, daddy has children. So I wonder if like Tibby is like daddy and then the rest of them is like they're the children of daddy. Like it's kind of weird because they all call themselves daddy. It's just it, that whole acronym 
Like, where did that come from? Like, oh my god, that was beyond creative, especially for a little cult. I was like, that's something that I couldn't have thought of in a million years. So what it stands for is Daily Accommodation Delinquent Deity Youth, aka Daddy. Where? Where did he come up with? Wow. I I love Zach for that, because that was such... After we find out what they what, what it stands for, and it's just the constant use of it, like, Daddy Devin, Daddy Devin, like, oh, man. Yeah, because they started calling Tibby both Daddy and Father, right? When they were trying to pass him off as a faith healer sort of thing. Right, so that was the confusing part, like, is the whole Daddy thing still kind of referring to Tibby? But then everybody calls himself Daddy? But yeah, so much greatness was just that one acronym. It is fun, just some of the stuff that they could come up with. But yeah, like you said, Guile, like, we, we're... We're there. We're at, we're at Devon Residence, and we got some crazy people out there protecting their, you know, their daddy. All They're all protecting their daddy, killing people left and right. Do you think, like, you know, at some point, they got to start to consider, there's going to be, there has to be some kind of, you know, ramifications to him overusing his power because do they not know i don't think they know but it'll be interesting if they did how whenever i wonder if daddy knows like gosh it's so weird to say (laughs) daddy knows like when timmy uses his power he's hurting someone else from a different universe so you would think they'll be a little bit more like hesitant on actually having him use his powers unless it was something minor or something that like was completely necessary yeah i don't know that's hard to say I think we start to see the ramifications of the overuse of his power during the episode because he can barely heal Billy during it. And Mickey even says that he needs to stop using his power so much. Yeah, that's true. You have a good point there. Yeah, so, you know, I hope they... I hope they didn't know, because then it's just ignorance is it's bliss kind of moment where they're... But it sucks because Tibby's know what he's doing. Like, so what is the psychological effect on Tibby knowing that Unless these are all minor things that he's doing, although he healed someone without a leg. Like, someone who lost their leg, he healed that person, and their leg grew. So we know what happened to that same person in a different universe. He literally cut someone's leg off. Like, how does that, like, how does that not screw him up in the head anymore? Like, what the heck? Oh, I think Tibby has some serious issues he's got to deal with, and Billy too, both, because of what their powers are doing and what they're doing with their powers. Those two definitely have some Billy's and Tibby's powers where they basically can feel themselves doing something crazy to someone else in a different universe. Whether it's Billy destroying the universe or Tibby hurting someone from a different universe. It's definitely, it's it's crazy. And what's fun is like this season, earlier this season, we found out that Tibby can actually hurt people. He can do the opposite. Even though he wasn't under control, he can use the, his powers in reverse. So I wonder if we're ever going to get a moment where he's going to reach a point where, like, for self-defense or to protect Mickey, where he's going to put himself in danger just so he can hurt someone and, you know, save them possibly from that person. Because now we know it's possible for him to do the opposite. So that's definitely going to be, like, that make of him choosing whether to do it for good. He's doing it for good either way because he's helping someone in a different universe while hurting someone in their universe and vice versa. 
So that's always definitely just the whole thought process and the psychology behind that always intrigues me, especially with Tibby's powers. Where it's like he can do great. He's always doing good. And he's always doing bad. It's just to whom he's doing that to always fascinates me. And I love that Zach brought that up in the first episode of the season. Now, you know, with him, his powers kind of getting messed up. It's kind of cool seeing like, oh, yeah, there's something's going on with these guys. We just don't know how deep. And I'm really curious how long Tibby, if at all, how long he's been aware that he could do that, that he could do the reverse. Like, I don't... It, I don't think he would have told the others when he became aware of that, if he became aware of that, because it would probably freak him out. Yeah, I think, it, honestly, I think he probably, yeah, that's a good point, like, when it happened. In my headspace, I'm thinking he didn't know about it until he did it to Mike. He may not know exactly the full extent of what he did, but he knows he was able to hurt Mike. So at that point, he knew, like, wait, my powers can be used a different way. But like you said, it might be interesting if he figured this out before this, because we had, like, a, almost an entire summer between the end of last season and the beginning of this season. So there's a chance that in his times helping out Mallory with his depression, as I would like to say, he's figured out that, yeah, he might be able to do the opposite. So that's definitely really interesting for sure. One of the things I thought was really cool this episode was that Shovel did a really great job over the whole arc of the episode of portraying Mickey as getting more and more annoyed and fed up and pushing Tibby away, leading up to what she did near the end of breaking up with him. Oh yeah, it was definitely slowly escalating. You could actually see her getting more and more frustrated as the episode went on. Yeah, and then knowing that that's Mickey A, you have to wonder, she ha- like she knows something. She clearly knows something. Uh, you know, what's going on with Tibby and almost what's going on with the rest of them so you have to wonder if what she's doing besides the fact that she's you know because in the diary entries earlier we get her perspective she's like wait i didn't get the chance to live this life i didn't get the chance to you know take advantage of knowing that lexi was going to blow up the town in portland and whatnot mickey b did and that's not fair to me and that's what's her thing so you can tell that she was living it up but also wonder what part of it is her trying to actually protect them especially Tibby trying to find a way like push if although if she was trying to protect Tibby she would maybe at least tell him you know try not to use your powers so it's intrigued me if like she you know pushing him away was her attempt to maybe protecting him or if it was just her selfishness saying no I just want to be able to live my life the way I want without stress without worrying about myself the world and whatnot yeah that's a good question we should probably talk about how they get tibby out of tibby's house with the cult which is they get into him to visit him first by asking for him to heal the billy's leftover knife wound and then they decide that the best way to get him out is to use Emma's power when did they hurt billy was that in like was that in the car right there when they they, they stabbed billy and hit, hurt him and basically abuse him I don't think it was in the car ride. I think it was earlier, but I don't remember. No, it was actually in the previous episode. Uh, the man in red, the what was his name, Devourer or whatever, uh, he stabbed. Oh, yeah, that um, Billy right, he was right. torturing him. Okay, so it was just Laurel just like kind of like punching it to aggravate it more. Okay, okay, that makes sense now. That makes sense. Yeah, that was, yeah, MPEG only having four seconds. It's, it's weird seeing like where she was last season as a as a guess like how quickly her power escalated because we started a little bit later in terms of how much time w- went by so like knowing what her power can be and the fact that she's at the very beginning early stages of it only four seconds 
So it's like, we know, like, okay, she has four seconds of leeway. But then there's that sense of urgency, like, oh, wait, she only has four seconds. So it's like, you, you know they have some kind of help, but then not all the help. So, like, there's that bit of tension, like, are they going to, is she going to be able to make it in time? Just like the whole moment a few episodes ago. Um, And it's like, is she going to make it in time? Because one slip up, one slip up, because she could have had the four seconds but what if she tripped? What if she tripped and she was only able to get Tibby in there and not herself and they all ran away, went away? So for her time to be so small, it also adds a bit of tension to the moment of like, she can't mess this up. I must admit that MPEG's power is one of the ones that fascinates me the most because we've seen what happens if she keeps using it. And we've also seen how tempting it is to keep using it, but that her parents are trying to train her and teach her not to use it. Right. You would think after knowing how little time she has, like it's just a few seconds, that she, out of more so than everybody, because the rest of the team have used their powers a lot more um, loosely compared to what she's done, because she's only used it twice or once at this point. So you would think like, she'd be like, you know what? I got a few seconds. Maybe I wake up late. You know what? It's not going to hurt. She's just seeing her kind of be more free with it. You can tell like she's, you know, there was a switch that hit in her. Like, you know what? I need to use my powers more often to help protect my friends but you know how billy will use his powers for an extra push-up or two like i'm curious if we're going to, or how mickey uses her powers to be able to locate tibby f- before their date happens i wonder if we're going to get a moment where m bath is just going to be like you know what as long as I'm not abusing my power, using it here and there shouldn't hurt. So I'm wondering if we're going to get a moment where she starts to kind of use it a little bit more often. And then out of nowhere, a few episodes down the line, we find out that she's been using it like crazy and she has like two weeks. Oh yeah, you can easily slide into that for sure for her power. Oh yeah, this is also the episode where we find out because Mickey uses her power. It's when the radar find out that Lexi is for sure dead from the fire. Right. Oh yeah. I actually had to wonder when she was looking for Lexi at that moment, was Mickey A going to kill Lexi again? Thank you, Logan. I was thinking the same thing when I first saw this and they were talking about it. I was like, oh no. Because all that resentment she has from the first, from Polak A, from Universe A, like, oh no. Is she going to kill her just to avoid, like, any more damage? Does she have that much rage in her? Because technically, can she, she can pick off all of the, all of her. Like, she can pick off all the Lexis as much as she wants. Because as long as she has their name and everything, she can find them in the multiverse and basically pick one off by one by one just because of how you can tell because of how pissed off she was. Like, Mickey is, for my anime reference, she is a Shinigami with the Death Note. Like, as long as she has the name of the person, she can write that name in the book and then snap that person to death. So that's kind of crazy that, like, Logan said, like, wait, is she going to kill her off? And then we find out she's dead. And it's like, oh, who? That's less blood on her hands, I guess? Yeah, that's a very good question. I do wonder that now, too. I hadn't thought of that. So, yeah, just to get back to the ending bits, they get Tibby out using M's power. M and Tibby end up in the car. They take off in the car. That's when they, I think that's the part where they meet Rebecca, the crazy nurse, who's obsessed with Tibby, right? Yay, Rebecca! <laughs> That's been my whole thing. Like, I since the whole cult thing happened, and then we got the whole crazy stalker nurse. That was that's one of those characters like Hildred that I hope and was really Clarissa. I forget. Um, where I hope she pops up more often because she's she was depicted as a stalker nurse, and then with the whole cult thing happening too, like she, she can pop up in some of the weirdest spots in the show in the in the city and town and just be kind of like that creepy like 
presence like she was here in this episode. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing her again. And and I think they tried to get her to go off against the cult of Tibby, right? Yeah, they directed all that obsessive energy at the rest of the cult. <laughs> I'll be curious to see if that affects anything and if we see that come up later in the story. Yeah, that's definitely fine. She also said that she'd be waiting for um, Tibby when he got back, too. So, yeah, I'm kind of wondering where that's going to go. I can kind of picture that creepy scene now where Tibby's in his room and she's kind of, it's a, it's a storm happening. She's standing right outside his window. You get a flash of lightning and all of a sudden out of nowhere, you just see her face there. Tibby doesn't notice, but if this was like a TV show, you would get that moment. She'd be like, her hands on the window like, Daddy Devin. And then we get more creepiness. And that, she can add, her and Hildred can add so much more to the creepy factor that I hope they're there more often. They don't have to have a big role, but just like, a minor like pop up like of creepiness here and there yeah. oh definitely yeah that would be fun so yeah for a, this was a relatively light episode but it ended with a bit of a one-two punch of mickey not just breaking up with tibby but doing so in a pretty harsh way and then the scene at the end where mickey b appears to let herself sink and we just ended right on that those two things at the end were kind of a, a gut punch i think Right. That's where we get the designation of Mickey Mouse <laughs> by Billy to talk about fake. Yep. It was, it felt weird because, like, you know, Billy, although they've had their kind of differences, Billy and Tibby, you know, Billy's all about his buddy Tibby and everything. So the way he was acting towards Mickey, he was like, no, you should break up. No, yeah, you break up with him. You can tell, like, he knew. He knew something was off and he didn't want his buddy to be hurt. And, he didn't want his buddy to be hurt, but in the process, he hurt his buddy to a point where does he come back from it? Oh, I think Billy had some more selfish reasons for that because he keeps on kept on saying that Tibby wasn't the same when he was with Mickey, so he kind of wanted his old Tibby back. That's a good point there. He, yeah, he definitely said that. And there's, you know, when you get in a relationship, things change. You don't have much time for your buddies. And clearly, Billy wasn't having it. Yeah, like, even still, it's like, come on, man. Come on. He's your buddy. Get, let your buddy be happy. You know, let your buddy with his first girlfriend for the sounds of it. Let him enjoy that life. Whether they stay together forever or just it's a fleeting thing. Just let him enjoy it, Billy. Come on. Well, you know, teenage boys. <laughs> we should talk about the rumors before we finish up, because there were some really interesting rumors this time. The four that we had were, there are men in white hazmat suits at the fracking site. There's a strange glow coming from the woods over the lake. There's a blind man who has not left the diner in a week. He is there from opening to close. He never gets up. And the man with the briefcase has been going door to door asking for signatures on something. And it looks like we had a dual winner of the strange glow in the lake and the man with the briefcase. Yeah, those are interesting ones. I don't remember which one I voted for if I did. Um, from the sounds of it, I probably would have gone with the hazmat suit just because, you know, to explore that a little bit more, like the craziness of the fracking and everything. It's interesting because the glowing in the forest could also refer to that maybe they found a piece of another piece of the ship possibly so that'd be fun it's kind of deep oh for sure um dive a little bit deeper into that like oh wait hold on something just hit me glowing so we were talking about i believe someone who, i believe it was logan who mentioned sayaka i don't know if we talked about sayaka that might have been before but what if that glowing light 
with Sayaka. What if we are our favorite electric base powered uh, um, member of Kolok is there? I don't know how true that is. It's prop. It's more so probably the ship, but that would definitely be fun to see how Mickey and Billy would react to Sayaka and whatnot. Because we got to meet more of the super powered kids and everything, right? Like there's more of them out there. Uh, so far, we've only glanced by or seen a few of them. Like let's see them all. So that would be fun. But yeah, it's probably the ship. So that's definitely another thing. I think I voted for the blind man in the diner. Do, Logan, do you remember which one you voted for? I do not remember either. I kind of think that I voted for the blind man mainly because I want to see more of honeybees. Yeah, I'd like to see more of the diner too. And especially since a lot of the staff is now gone or insane. Ooh, that's actually a good point. Yeah. Yeah, that could be really interesting. They'd be closed for business for a while. Wait, are, are there owners even there still? Because wasn't the owner of the diner at the... She died. So basically, they're out of business. There's nobody else who can run. Yeah, Emerson's dead. <laughs> well, v- Vincent is might be affected by the tears, but he's supposedly still running the diner, so I'd like to see how that works. Oh, no. Let's just hope he doesn't put tears in the food and just, yeah, that'd be weird. It'd be interesting, but also like, what the hell? Yep. I was going to say, and Honeybees has a brand new menu. Wait, when did that happen? <laughs> okay, I was going to say... Like- oh, yeah, and... Uh- on the board. <laughs> no, I was joking about it. <laughs> oh, it, it might be happening if you've been reading the, the role-playing board. The guy who works at the morgue has been talking about helping out at the diner. I wish I was as busy to hop onto the board as I did initially, but uh, worked uh, crazy. But the board, I gotta say, like... Everyone listening, if you ha- if you have Discord and you're subscribed to Hyper, hop into the Colock Town message board. It is it can be so much fun, especially just reading it and seeing everybody interact. We have over 200 people in there. Oh my goodness, you can just be a random townie. And now with the crocodile tears and whatnot, and what happened, and the normalcy, like I, just to plug that real quick like oh man like hop over there and enjoy but yeah oh i'll have to read through that board again but yeah new menu that would be interesting yeah it would be fun to go back to the diner for sure yeah so then last but not least we get mickey mickey b and where we assume is going to be in her head and did anybody get nervous when she's when she decided to sink or if i don't know if it was by choice or whatnot because so far for what we've learned sinking was a negative connotation to the whole thing we never saw it as like anything that was 100 positive and then swimming was like all right you're trying you're fighting against it so did anybody get nervous when she sunk i know i did oh yeah very nervous all right. Oh man. What else? Like there was again, like you said, this was such a light episode. It did it did go from zero to a hundred really fast toward the end, but overall I enjoyed it. It was I enjoyed every episode is always fun to watch in its own right, whether it's one of those like heartfelt ones, deep just lore dumps, or if it's the episode like this is just super light fun that can eventually build up to something crazy. I love this show so much and it's always fun talking to you guys, just like learning more and more and seeing something that hearing about something like, Oh wait, I didn't think about this and man, this episode was one of those that was like yes this was great this was hilarious and yeah it was a good episode that's for sure absolutely it's been it it was one of those ones where it was quite a ride of up and down and crazy and silly and super serious parts and a heck of an ending well guys i think that we can wrap up i've been gay sca thanks for listening and here's my other hosts kid and i right here thank you guys for enjoying the episode and i've been logan pars thank you for listening
we find ourselves back at the start. Thank you for listening to Back at the Start, a fan discussion podcast for the tabletop live play show, Colock 1991 on Hyper RPG. Your hosts for today were Guy SEA, Logan Pars, and Kid Anon. This podcast was edited by Aired NSC and recorded on October 24th, 2019. And I'd just like to apologize quickly for the delay in getting this episode out. As you hear, we recorded it in, back in October. I had started editing it and just at that time kind of just got hit with a, a huge kind of anxiety spike in a bunch of kind of personal stuff that made it very difficult to edit so it has taken me much longer than i hoped but uh, we have it out and hopefully you'll still enjoy it special thanks to ray weiss for the introduction and outro soundbite and to zach lim eubank for giving permission for us to use it Kolok 1991 is streamed live every monday at 6 p.m pacific time on twitch.tv slash hyperrpg and is available on demand via Twitch and YouTube. It is also available in podcast form. Just search for Kolok 1991 on your favorite podcasting platform. You can follow us at Kolok Pod on Twitter for updates and to interact with the show. You can also email us at backatthestartpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and... You found yourself back at the start.